Hello, and welcome to the 4th and Floundering Podcast. I am Mitch. And I am Drew. Hello, Mitch. Hey. I, so we said at the end of our last episode, we didn't really know when the two of us would get a chance to do this again. Yeah. Um, and lo and behold, it's been, I feel like, about a month. I think it has been uh, about a month. And the sick thing is, is that, like, it's gonna be, it's probably gonna about be about a month, month until we're, <laughs> like, just gonna be able to do it again, because yeah. um, the semester's winding down for you. Yeah, finals are coming up. Which I'm sure has got to be awesome, but also, you know, hectic as always. Everything's on fire. You guys can't see my face, but my eyes are very sunken. I have five papers due, like, last week. <laughs> he just looks like a man <laughs> I'm defeated. So, I'm so defeated. Yeah. <laughs> you just look like Andy Reid at an empty barbecue. I look just like, like, oh. <laughs> I look like Andy Reid at his victory barbecue that was supposed to be a victory barbecue. After he wins the AFC Championship against the Patriots, but he never does. Or like Donovan McNabb right now after reading any interaction he had with any Eagles offensive lineup. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, and on my end, like, I mean, I have the wedding coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah, you're getting crazy. married, bro. Yeah, which is so exciting. I can't wait. I'm re- I I really, it's going to be awesome. I'm I just excited. wish you were going to be there. You, you have a very important commitment. Yeah, I got my, I got my uh, final conference track meet. For uh, my collegiate career, um, it's kind of exciting. I kind of wish that it was on a different date so that I could come, or that if at least it was a Friday Saturday meet instead of Saturday Sunday. But you know, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I totally understand. You hate us. Um, watch- you have no desire to ever come. I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching your your cat. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, I'm gonna get India tattoo. Please do. I hope it's like I just hope it's a baller. Get her like a face tat. Don't tell mom and dad. <laughs> He'll get she'll get a Mike Tyson tattoo on her face instead of a tiger tattoo on her face. I just come back. Her her fur is shaved off of her one paw. She has a brand new sleeve and it's a dragon. <laughs> She's into breeding uh messenger pigeons. <laughs> she just rides motorcycles now. <laughs> Makes an oh. appearance in the fourth Hangover movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, but it's also just been... So much has happened since we have talked. I know, right? It's been absolutely, like, fucking bonkers, man. Yeah, dude. Um, do you want to lead off, or do you want me to lead off? Uh, go ahead. You, you're on a roll, bro. All right, so I think that the first thing that happened, and everybody kind of knew it was going to happen at some point... Um, I don't think anyone expected that it was going to be this soon, though, was the Cowboys and Demarcus Lawrence finally, finally agreed to a contract extension. Was, um, how recent was that? That happened on April 5th, so okay. it is now April 25th. Okay, yeah. It's been about three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's huge for a number of reasons, like, not the least of which is like he's by far their best defensive player. Okay. It's not really close. Well... Well, maybe it is close, actually, because uh, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith are really, really good linebackers. Yep. And um, until, really, like, the last game or two of last year, Byron Jones was a shutdown corner. He was outstanding. Yeah. But, I, I, regardless, I think that Lawrence is, is the best player on that defense, and, you know, you need to be able to get to the quarterback to force turnovers, and uh, the Cowboys already don't force a ton of turnovers. Yep. So they really need all the help they can get, especially with Irving retiring, Randy Gregory suspension, which we've talked a little bit about, it was really imperative that the Cowboys took care of Demarcus Lawrence, and they did. Five years, $105 million, $65 million guaranteed. It was the most money that was ever guaranteed to a non-quarterback. Um, and the most money ever guaranteed to a quarterback was obviously Kirk Cousins last year. Yeah. Um, 
hopefully this deal doesn't look that bad <laughs> in yeah. a year, and I don't think it will. Uh, but that's huge, especially, especially, especially because Lawrence is supposed to, was supposed to have surgery on his shoulder, which he was using as a bargaining chip. And at first, I thought that that was just stupid because if I'm the Cowboys, like the law, if if I know you're going to miss games, I'm going to pay you less. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Like kudos to Demarcus Lawrence and his agent because it worked out great for them. They got the contract they wanted, and. Now the Cowboys got what they wanted, which is the shoulder surgery. And also, this is going to open them up to maybe focus on some other things in the draft right off the bat. So, I'm really happy about that. And then the other thing with the Cowboys that's, I think, really significant, really big news, was that Travis Frederick is back at practice. Um, you know, there's obviously no hitting allowed right now. Yeah. But he's opening back up with the off-season conditioning workouts. He's, he's doing some different things right now. He's actually on the field with his teammates. Um... He had that autoimmune disease that happened last year with his nervous system, mm-hmm. um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, and he after training camp, he was just out. So it's that was a huge loss. Looney stepped up really well as that backup center for the Cowboys. He actually he actually played really well. Um, probably would be a starter on a lot of teams, and I think he put. I think that the fact that he's going to be able to be the backup and he can play guard too is really helpful to the Cowboys because they have a lot of backup offensive line issues, but. I mean, Frederick is, he's an all-pro, he's a pro bowler, I mean, he's, when he plays, he is the best setter in football, and that offensive line is different when he plays. So, I'm really excited to sort of right that ship, get him back there, and I mean, you're talking about the fact that how much better the Cowboys were last year with, with Zeke playing a full season, with Cooper, as soon as he joined the team, um, and now to have even more of a solidified piece of your offensive line in that center position, who's, I mean... You know, I know the quarterback is the quarterback, obviously. He's reading defenses, but as you and I both know, as offensive linemen, your center is your most important offensive lineman besides your left tackle because he's making the calls. Yeah. Um, he has to be able to read the defensive fronts and, and make adjustments accordingly. So no one's better than that in the NFL than Travis Frederick. So I'm pumped to have him back. And that's, that's the Cowboys news that I have. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the fact that the NFL released their schedule. Yes, they did. I want you to leave me off. We don't have to do in-depth right now, because I know we already have plans for when August rolls around. We're going to do just a full-on, like, actual... Season prediction. Season prediction after, for after, everybody. After the draft, after preseason, or towards the end of preseason. And yeah, like August. Injuries, you know. Yeah. Stuff that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh... So it's kind of pointless to do this, but it's also really fun. In a yeah. perfect world, I want to know... Where do you think the Eagles um, finish this year? I think the Eagles are going to start out 1-0 and because they're playing the Redskins first week of the season. And who um, knows who's going to be their quarterback. Exactly. Just not Alex and Smith. It, yeah, because his leg is still in like three pieces. And um, after that, who knows? Because um, I'm going to take the, the side of... Um, I forget who I saw, but they were like, I think the Eagles are going to start 1-0. and And then... Who knows after that because of injuries, <laughs> you yeah. know? So on both sides, whether it's the other team or ours. So um, I'm going to put a humble prediction out. Not humble. I think we're going to go 11-5. and five. I can Some, see Somewhere in that range. Um, I think either us or you guys, depending on how the rest of the offseason goes. Um, yeah, the draft, right? I mean, well, the draft and the re- and preseason, uh, and depending on how, how both teams look, are looking going into week one, I think we're, we're going to be, fa- one of us is going to be favored to win the 
win the NFC East. Um, I would prefer it to be my guys, but, you know, I'm not going to ignore the fact that you guys are a pretty good squad. Um, so I think we're going to go somewhere in the range of 11-5 and five to possibly 13-3, and three, depending on how things shake up, because we all, we, I looked at strength of schedule. We have the seventh easiest schedule. Yeah. Um, in uh, going going into the season, just based off of everybody's uh, win loss records last year. So, yeah. um, but no, I'm not. I'm not super scared. Uh, I have. I haven't been scared for the Eagles' season in a in the past couple of years because we've always been decent to good. So, and I think um, assuming the health of Carson Wentz and again health is the big is the big factor. Yeah, I think more so than I. I don't want him coming back until he's at. L- 95% healthy. Yeah. Um, I Especially because his back is the is the injury. It's not his leg anymore. So um, that's that is, kind of a serious thing. Let me tell you, as somebody who had a great quarterback who had significant back injuries, yeah. uh, all it takes is one bad hit. And I, and I don't mean that like in a sarcastic way or anything like that. Like I, I think Carson Wentz is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and I think that the NFC East is more fun when the Cowboys and the Eagles uh, are good and also the Giants. Like I think when everybody's better, everybody yeah. has a good quarterback. It's it's a much more fun division. So and I would never wish ill will on anyone. But uh, back injuries are tough. Uh, yeah. Romo had it, and at the end of his career, like it just took getting hit in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Not even like a not even a big hit, just no. a weird way. And uh, they were both against the Eagles, right? His injuries, or no, that was his collarbone. The collarbone, second collarbone of that year was yeah. against the Eagles. Yeah. Um, but I think he did injure his back in a game against the Eagles. I know in fourteen. Which was our last like best bet to win a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, he he broke uh, the the back backbone in the game against the Redskins week yeah. fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I wish him nothing but health. But I, I think I kind of agree with you. I think that your hardest part of your schedule is uh, October sixth to November twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. So like there's like a month and a half, two month span there because you have your bye, mm-hmm. um, where like. I'm starting it with the Jets because I, I think the Jets have the potential to actually surprise some people. Yeah, because we got to play Le'Veon. Because you got to play Le'Veon and, and Darnold will be back with a year and a new coaching yeah. staff. But you get the Vikings, who can either be a really good team or a really terrible team. Mm-hmm. Um, you have us, the Bills, who also should be improved, the Bears, the Patriots, and the Seahawks in that span. Yeah. I think that's by far your toughest your toughest stretch. Other than that, I really think your schedule is a little bit of a cakewalk. Like, yeah. The rest of the division... Lions, Falcons, a Packers team that's not very good. I think we could sweep the Giants. Dolphins, I think we're going to sweep the Redskins. I think we could probably split with you guys. I think we'd split. Um, I do. I could see any range of us going one or one, one and one, or one or the other sweeping the other because it's probably if it does happen, those wins are going to be close. Yeah. Um, just because of the way our games have been going for the past couple years, um, especially last year, uh, up until the last play, pretty much in both games. Uh, it was the game could have been decided. Um, I'm I, I'm a little scared of the Bears just because they're always pretty scary, and we're we're facing them. I'm, I think in October, right? Uh, the Bears. Yeah. So that's early enough to. You where, have the Bears on the November third. Yeah, so that's like early enough to where I don't think a lot of injuries will be sustained to their defense, and that's what I'm mostly scared of, not their offense. Um, I'm scared of Khalil Mack. What? What you mean? Uh, you mean that? 
Mitchell Trubisky doesn't no. you know strike fear into no, him. No, he doesn't. Mostly because his name is too hard to pronounce sometimes, really <laughs> fast. Well, that's a, and that's a really good scouting evaluation. Yeah. Uh, so I want to move on really quickly to the Cowboys. Yeah. And just sort of you know lightly brushing over that. Um, I think that the Cowboys are have a lot of potential this year in general. Mm-hmm. I could see this team going eleven and five. I could also see this team going, you know, nine and seven, ten and six, depending on how things break. They have so whereas you guys have, you know, a tough stretch in that middle there. We have an absolutely brutal end to our season, which will suck. Um, starting November twenty fourth at New England, then we're home against Buffalo on Thanksgiving. Okay. At Chicago in December, L.A. at Philly. And then Washington, like that's just a that's just an absolutely brutal end of the year. Yeah. And I think there's a really good chance that the Cowboys go into that maybe if only losing maybe if only uh, having lost one or two games, mm-hmm. and then you know we come we come out of the season, you know, with six losses. Yeah. Uh, or or something like that. So it's a very very good possibility. Yeah. I, I they should start strong though with, with the Giants at Washington and then Miami. Yeah. Um. They should start 3-0. There's no reason to not start 3-0. Yeah. New, New Orleans, I, I don't expect them to beat. In New Orleans, at least. On Sunday night, there's no way. No. But, no. not no way, but I, I would... Remember the last time we said no way against the New Orleans? Or at least I did against no, New Orleans? No, and I told you that I, I had a shot. We had a shot. Yeah. And you were... Your texts were very aggressive. I... I was sad. <laughs> they weren't aggressive towards you. They were aggressive towards me. I was more <laughs> mad at myself. Because you counted out the Cowboys? Yes. 100%. Never count out Dak Prescott. Yeah. I was also kind of mad because I had both running backs from the Saints starting and neither of them <laughs> shit for me. Yeah, they really, shit, see that they really shit to bed that night. That they night, were yeah. awful. Yep. They had a combined about six points between the two of them. I was happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, again, we'll, we're going to do a way more, like, in-depth look at this come August. Um, but there's, there's just some preliminary expectations. I think both of us think that... Our team should be winning double-digit games, maybe mm-hmm. eleven and five. Um, you seem a little more optimistic than I do, at like twelve and four, or thirteen and three. But uh, I- I'm excited to see where it goes. I said it's a possibility. Um, yeah, that's depending if all of our main main players stay healthy. Right. In a so, perfect universe. In a perfect universe, we would go thirteen and three. Yeah, and I think in a perfect universe, the Cowboys go twelve and four. Um, <coughs> but I'm excited. I'm really excited to have football to talk about soon. Like, real meaningful, like, games to be played. Yeah. Um, training camp's going to be coming up in July, which is still a couple yeah, months away. Yeah, the Eagles but... have a very interesting preseason game against the Jags, which is where we sent Nick Foles. I... Or where Nick Foles went after. So that's that's kind of what sucks about, like, announcing the opponents before free yeah. agency happens. Yeah. Um, which I get why, like, obviously places do it. It's just... It would have been a lot of fun to see Foles and Wentz square off on, like... Sunday night football, yeah, or, or Monday night football. Even you're just having like a national, like actual broadcast. Yeah, um, would have been nice. It's not a preseason game. Yeah, but let's talk a tiny bit about the draft. I know both of us have been crazy busy. We haven't really had a chance to to take. A I look. Look, I looked at my first mock draft today. Yeah. Yeah. Today I had been keeping up with them, but I'll be honest, I wasn't like almost all of them are. Just looking at the first round. Yeah. And the Cowboys don't have a first round pick, so for me it was just kind of like, eh. And I don't think they're going to be trading up. So nah. a lot of it didn't apply, and a lot of it was just cursory glances. But yeah. uh, what are your thoughts? Um, right now, the mock draft that I have up, um, it's saying that we will be draft. the Eagles will be drafting at the 
25th pick in round one, and we will be drafting or projected to draft Juan Thornhill from Virginia. Okay. He is a strong safety, uh, former cornerback. Um, he's the fifth best ranked um, strong safety. Okay. Um, he's six foot, 205 pounds, very speedy, uh, can play in the slot, has, can run with wide receivers down the field, um, can keep up with them. And his vertical is 44 inches, so he's got he's got jumps too. Um, and uh, he runs a 4-4-40. So not bad. That's really not that bad. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if we didn't draft a strong safety. Um, I was looking more towards drafting a running back in the first or second round. Um, but right now this mock draft has... Uh, Alabama's Josh Jacobs going at uh, pick number 27, two picks behind us. So regardless of like mock drafts, like who would you want, though? Um, I think we would either need a running back or an offensive lineman. Okay. Um, because uh, Jason Peters isn't getting any younger. And I think we need um, a good prospect at running back. That isn't an. Un- uh, don't get me wrong. I love Corey Clement. I love uh, Josh Adams, but I we need someone that's in the upper echelon of running backs. And if you've got Howard, though, we do have Howard, but who's who's a really good receiver out of the backfield, especially. But he's only got one more year left on his. Rookie contract? On his rookie his, contract. Yeah, his rookie deal, I think. It's his rookie deal. He's going into his fourth year. So he's only got one more year left on his on his contract. So my thought is draft someone in the first three rounds and then um, go from there. Go from there. I mean, we're going to have a running back by committee like we always usually do. You Yeah, you haven't really had a featured back since Shady. Since Shady. And I think it's needed. I don't think... Howard would be an issue being our being a three down back for us. Yeah. Um I'm a little worried about him injury prone wise. He's he does get a little banged he up does here get and a there. Banged up. Just be but he runs hard as hell. And he's that, that and that's season a couple times. Yeah, he runs so hard and that's why he gets hurt. It's because he's running through people. Like he's the Kool Aid man sh- running through a brick wall. I think Chicago's gonna miss him. I think so, too. I think so, too. I think they think Tyree Cohen's the thing, but that tandem that they had, it wasn't just Cohen. It was Cohen and Howard. They were, they were a good tandem. There are very few running backs who are good enough to be featured running backs. A lot of the times you need both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, Zeke's one of them. Yeah. And the Cowboys are really fortunate on that end, although they're going to be looking for a backup running back now. Yeah. But uh, I think teams are – running back is the easiest position to redraft for just value that you yeah. get. Um. So I, I kind of get that idea of, like, you know, maybe you draft him in, like, the third round or lower, mm-hmm. put him in a committee, and then just, you know, as long as you're, you know, they're all averaging, you know, like, four yards a carry or whatever, they're all getting, like, 1,500 yards together, then yeah. you're fine. Yeah. But I'll be curious to see what you do. I, I also agree. I think you need something on the ground, especially for games when, with his back, Wentz is going to be throwing a lot, mm-hmm. and you're going to need to alleviate some pressure. And it's not like we're low on targets. If you go down our entire list, we have Aguilar, we have Jeffrey, we have Deshaun Jackson now, we have Goddard, we have Ertz, 
We're not no, we're not low we're not low on receiving targets. But our running backs we had a lot of issues with injuries at a running back last at running back last year. And I think having Howard and also drafting another young guy would be very beneficial for our committee. I think so too, and I think it would it would help your play calling. It would, honestly, because everybody knew we weren't running it last year. We were going for Ertz. That's why he broke the reception record last year for tight ends. Yeah. You know, because we were going to him for so, for so much. Um, but either run, I think a running back or a, or not even just a tackle, but an offensive lineman to develop into um, someone just to put in. Because I don't think, I hope, don't get me wrong, I hope Jason Peters lasts the entire season. But he <coughs> he hasn't been able to. For a couple years now, and he's not it's getting any, he's not getting any younger. And like I think this year's like the year like okay. This like this is your send off, and we need we time need to we, replace we need to we need to, we need to groom someone, to to put into that position. And also, you know, there's a really good chance that this year's probably Kelsey's last year too. That too, because there's a lot of talk he was going to retire. Yeah. Um, but he had a career year last year, and I don't. I didn't see him going out like that. You know, I think he's he's got drive for one more playoff run, and I th- I think I th- I think because he's he's not super old. He's been in the in the league for a couple of years now, but he's not like Jason Peters old. No, but I, I think he, he had did, a lot he of did, injuries. He bought, battled a lot of injuries last season. He was last banged season, up last year. But he he still he still had a career year with those three injuries. So going into the season, if he's after he got all his work done on, I think it was his his he had a MCL tear and I think something with his shoulder and something with his with his you know, foot. An injured Jason Kelsey is still better than you know I would say ninety five percent of the centers in the league. One hundred percent, and so, I, I think I think. After he gets through these surgeries, which I think he's already been worked on, hopefully he'll be ready for week one um, of the season, even week two if he's not ready by week one. I, I haven't heard any timelines for it, but I think he's got one more good run in him, honestly. And then, and then I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad about Kelsey retiring. I think he was a little he was disappointed with the way the season ended last year, and I think he doesn't want to go out with, like that. Yeah. So I don't think so either. I think he deserves better. Yeah, so do I. He's one of my favorite players. Um, that's not even just coming from a from a former offensive lineman because I can appreciate the 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 nuances of the, the nuances. Of, he's just a fantastic blocker, and he knows how to move on to the next next person downfield when when need be. Um, he, he, there's a reason why he was the first team All Pro center. Um, so yeah. Um, d- but do you have any? Um, do you have anything that you want to look at for uh, yeah, draft-wise since it's coming up at the end of the week? I do. So I, I know the Cowboys don't have a first-round pick, but I'm still you know sort of enthralled with who I see people mocking to him. Mm-hmm. And in, in recent days, it's been pretty much all safeties. And I would say, like, I'm saying recent days, I really would say since DeMarcus Lawrence's contract extension, mm-hmm. um, with the most popular being um, Juan Thornhill mm-hmm. and Taylor Rapp from okay. Washington. Okay. Um, I would love for the Cowboys to get Thornhill. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to go a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he guys who can hawk the ball that well never 
last that long in the draft. They're not going to yeah. make it to 58 when the Cowboys are picking. Yeah. They're going to have to trade up es- to get him. Especially with the way the, the league is turning into a passing game. Um, teams are really looking for those elite corners and safeties to be able to keep up with, with how the game is developing offensively. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's going to end up being much more realistic that they get Taylor Rapp. Yeah. Um, who I think will be able to do a couple of things right away. You know, I think he'll be able to compete uh, for a starting spot with okay. Aloka right away. Yeah. He's got a pretty good football IQ. Uh, you know, he sees the ball from all angles. I don't think he's great um, enforcing turnovers, though, especially not as good as Thornhill. Okay. Uh, if you look at his numbers in college, Rap only had seven interceptions. Okay. Thornhill had six last year. Just last year. Just last year. Yeah. Um, which is, is an issue for a team that really needs to create turnovers, but I think that Rap also offers a lot of value as being able to play down in the box, and I think also on special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he's someone who will who will be available if he's not at fifty eight. He'll be like right around there, right? You know, he'll, they may only have to trade up a spot or two to get him. That's where your um, guys' first pick is at fifty eight. Fifty eight in okay. the second round, yeah. and I don't see the Cowboys trading up. A lot of people have been going on and on and on about how the Cowboys need to get a first-round pick, and I'm sorry, but Amari Cooper, at 24 years old, is the best first-round pick the Cowboys could have made. Um, He's a guy who now has 3,000-yard seasons under his belt. Um, He's only going to turn 25 this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he he showed he can play in your system. Like, that's a a well-spent first-round pick. It's crazy because he still has, like, another three or four years left of his prime. At least. If they they sign him to a five-year extension... It, it would carry him through his age thirty season, mm-hmm. which would which would start to be the tail end of his prime. Yep. Um, which is why they're working on extension with him now. <laughs> that hopefully will be for longer than five years. Which is why I hope the Eagles draft Thornville because <laughs> he's gonna have to keep up with Cooper. Yeah, and well, you know the other thing I think is really important about both Rap and Thornhill. Um, they're both over six feet tall, oh, yeah. which I think is an un- which is an underrated asset right now to have. Yeah, uh, in your defensive backs, especially if if you guys have been playing safety, I think both of them are projecting to stay at safeties. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, you have your corners who are going to be staying on guys, but your safeties need to be able to get there, get on top of these receivers, and get the ball away. Yeah, um, and they need to be able to go up there and get it against the Antonio Browns league. And honestly, look at Metcalf. Like, guys who are built like that are the new... He looks like an actual refrigerator with legs. It's terrifying. It's terrible. Dude, he's so broad. I I am genuinely concerned for him that he doesn't have enough body fat. (laughs) He has, like, 4% body fat. And he's like six four, like two hundred and thirty five pounds. And that, but that's the way the NFL's going. Is like wide receivers who look like that. You he know? looks like a tight end. I was gonna say wide receivers built like tight ends who can run like running backs, mm-hmm. and you know catch as good as anybody in, in the league. And it's crazy. you gotta have safeties who are able to to cover that, who are big and who can work with your with your corners. Yep. So. I'd be happy with either of them. I just think that Rap's more realistic, even though I, I'd prefer to have Thornhill, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I, yeah. I'm excited for this draft, though. I think there's a lot of interesting storylines, and even though the Cowboys don't have a first-round pick, I've been really enthralled in sort of this, the Cardinals conundrum. Oh, yeah, dude, that's a really great storyline right now. So, what are you, what are you thinking? What would you do? Would you, uh, if, you're the, if you're the Cardinals, do you hold on to Josh Rosen, who you just drafted last year, or do you take Kyler Murray? See, I know Rosen's got a year under 
his belt in the NFL of playing big boy football. But mm-hmm. I just think Kyler Murray has so much more athletic potential, especially the way that the the league is going with mobile quarterbacks. Because Kyler, he can run the ball, but he's really good at throwing too. Um, yeah. Which is great for a mobile... <laughs> Which is great for a mobile, mobile I, quarterback. I just love how Alexa just interjected in there for me to clean the cat box. She she had her she gave her two cents about uh, Kyler Murray. But um, I okay. So if I were the Cardinals, I would try and trade Rosen to for whatever you can get for him. But I don't know if teams are gonna want to trade for him. You know what I mean? I I think that if you. So here's my here's my take on it. I think we're recording this on Tuesday. Yeah. The draft first round drafts Thursday. Yep. I'm gonna uh, this will probably go up shortly after we record it, and if not tonight, tomorrow, so Wednesday. I'm gonna get my pre-draft taken here. Okay. I think that this is all smoke and mirrors, and the Cardinals stay with Rosen, and I think that that's the best way to go. Who do you think they take number one then? I don't think they take a number one pick. I think, think they, they trade, trade down, away? which I think is the smart decision. Or if they do, I could see them going with Bosa. Do you think... Uh, I mean... Oh, man. I... That's such a hard... I think if I am the Cardinals, I am trying to trade down to a team like the Raiders, who, you know, the, the report this week was they sent all of their scouts home. Right, and they're not going to stick around till they're not going to come back till after the draft. Uh, if they come back, a lot of them are going to they're cleaning house. Yeah. So, a team that's in disarray that really doesn't know what they want, that's trying to get fans in the seats. You know, you tried to trade that pick to a team like the Raiders who could get some excitement, especially going to Vegas. Because yeah. let's be honest, Derek Carr's not doing it for you. You don't have Amari Cooper anymore. You don't have Khalil Mack anymore. Uh, yes, you have Antonio Brown now, but like. <laughs> Does anyone actually think that John Gruden knows how to use Antonio Brown right no. away? Um, so, he, I think that that makes the most sense. And also, look, you invested a lot in Josh Rosen by taking him with the 10th overall pick. I, I said to a lot of people last year, and I contend it now, that when Rosen came out of college last year, he was the most polished or NFL-ready of the, of the, the quarterback prospects. I think he was the most pro-ready. Okay. And I know he had a terrible year last year, but I still kind of believe that. Um, he he was in a no-win situation. Yeah. You know, uh, the Cardinals didn't do a good job of surrounding him with talent. Yes, they had David Johnson. They also have a very old Larry Fitzgerald, and that's about it. You know, obviously they fired they fired Wilkes <laughs> yeah. and brought in Cliff Kingsbury because yeah. they, they don't really know what they're doing. And I, I kind of think that, that Wilkes probably deserved another year. Um but I, I really think that sticking with Rosen, you already invested so much into him. If you're going to trade him, what are you getting back? A second rounder at best? At best. What team would trade a first rounder for Josh Rosen now? And, and I don't think that the Cardinals should look at that as a bad thing. Yeah. I think that they should look at it as an opportunity to, to stick through the struggles of their young quarterback. Because teams have too short of a leash now. Yeah. Um, they have way too short of a leash. And you got to let these guys play. I don't know, man. I I don't know who they would trade down to, but uh, that's probably a good move for them, um, just to get more assets to be able to build around Rosen. Well, also, if if you trade Rosen and get a second round pick, right, you are still putting Kyler Murray 
in the same situation that you're putting that you have Josh Rosen in. True. And I don't know is that if Kyler Murray is a better pure passer than Josh Rosen. I think he's certainly more athletic. I think he is certainly a more interesting quarterback to watch, and I think that his potential is probably higher. Yeah. Um, but you're going to put him in a really bad situation with a really bad offensive line, not a lot of weapons, a new coaching staff. Yes, it's an exciting head coach, but not like there's a defense around him yeah. <laughs> either, really, besides, besides Patrick Peterson. I I think that if you... If you're trading Rosen to draft Murray, you're just you're gonna wind up in the same situation same a year situation. from now, and that's not fair to to Kyler Murray, and it's not fair to Josh Rosen. Yeah. Um, so build around the quarterback you have, and invest that in either trading back to get some weapons for your quarterback, and maybe an offensive line to protect him, so he's not you know on his back every other play. Yeah. Um. But uh, that's just my two cents. Yeah, I mean. I think wherever Kyler goes, he's gonna put butts in seats. Because he's gonna be fascinating to watch. Because, he's gonna be amazing to watch. Because he's gonna be the first person to go, num like first round in the M- the MLB draft and NFL. Do you think that if you're a team, do you have a concern that that baseball is just in the back of Kyler Murray's mind, especially after the contracts doled out to 100%. Trout and Harper? One hundred percent. He's such a good athlete. Like you know that he could walk on. He could play football for a year, and if it doesn't work out for him, or he thinks he has more potential, earning potential, in playing baseball, I I can guarantee you he could walk away from football and just dominate on a baseball. I think it honestly. It honestly depends on where he gets drafted. <laughs> like That's if, thing, like if he, like if they, if the Cardinals did keep him and he got drafted to the Cardinals, I see him knocking on the Oakland A's door and being like, "Hey, let's play some baseball." <laughs> you know, like I don't blame him if he was if he got drafted by the Cardinals to want to go to the. MLB. I think if you're Kyler Murray, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is that you get drafted by either the Raiders mm-hmm. or the Cardinals at yeah. this point. And I think your best case scenario for Kyler Murray, and I don't think it happens is you get drafted by a team like the Buccaneers, who have a couple of legitimate weapons, particularly in Mike Evans mm-hmm. um, and O.J. Howard, and you have a coach who we know knows how to work with and use quarterbacks um, and can actually coach them, yeah. right? Who knows what he's doing? Yeah. Versus, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, who we know was a great college coach, but also we have no idea what he's going to look like in the NFL yet. Um and John Gruden, who is just a parody of a human being and a coach right now. Yep. So I- I'm going to be really interested to see how that shakes up. But but my final prediction on that is the Cardinals will hold, will, will trade back on that pick and keep Rosen, or that they just keep Rosen. I do not think they draft Kyler Murray. I'm just looking forward to see what happens on Thursday. I'm not going to make a fucking prediction. You know what I do want to talk about? Some um, basketball. Some basketball. To us NBA, like, like like some of the game with Nets. Some of the game with Nets? Yeah. Yeah, that was a choppy transition, but I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> and as in Nets, I mean the Brooklyn Nets, who we are totally diamond dominating right now. Yeah, man. I I'm here for it, man. I I so I was at game one. Okay. And I took my dad. It was my dad's first ever Sixers game. Um, not first ever Sixers game, actually. Sorry. His first Sixers game in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, my dad, like I've, to- I've told you guys all many times, is from Dallas. Uh, his very first game was he saw a Maverick Sixers game back in late 70s. Oh, okay. In Dallas. 
Okay. Um, that was the first basketball game that he went to. Uh, this was his first one since then, <laughs> and his first one in Philadelphia. So, it's it was really nice to be able to go with him, and you know, all, there was all that speculation over Embiid uh, playing or not. He played. He played on one leg, and he was you know outside of Jimmy Butler, the best player on the, on the the court for the Sixers. He, and he still uh, had a bad outside game outside of Jimmy Butler. He was the only player on the Sixers. Yeah, and he still had a pretty court. awful game in our one leg. So it sucked that they lost that game, and they looked pretty horrific. I was kind of freaking out, yeah. to be completely honest with you, just because of how unprepared the Sixers looked. Redick, Redick and Harris and Simmons, all three of them, that is, that is three-fifths of your starting lot, uh, your starting rotation, yeah. had probably their worst games as Sixers. Redick, Redick had more fouls than points, and he fouled out. Yeah. It got to the point where I was just... It was funny because I was t- I was telling my dad, um, who he's he's getting into the Sixers, but he's not a huge basketball guy. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, you know, I I really like JJ Redick. I think that he's got a really good, really good shot from the three point line. He, he's at least somewhat reliable. He's been in the playoffs every year. He, he's been in the league, so he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. And then you bring him to the if game. There's one guy who's gonna who I know is gonna show up today. I think it's gonna be JJ Redick. And then, he does. and then he's just like he's that uh you know, there's that video of like the chubby kid just throwing up balls <laughs> that are just completely missing the net and like that looked like JJ Redick. It was just like nothing was close. He was awful. Yeah. He couldn't hit water. He thought of a boat. And then Simmons was just uh, awful. Uh, horrendous. And, and Harris just I don't I don't even know where he was. Yeah. But Embiid was very clearly injured. I mean I saw him walking to the other side of the court yeah. just like on foul shots and just any chance he could because he just couldn't move. Yeah. Um all they all that the Nets had to do was drive the lane and then get it get past the ball around Embiid and he couldn't turn around quick. And honestly, you know, Boban was pretty slow and same thing for Boban. Yeah. Um so the Nets kinda of destroyed us game one. But game two, game three and game four, like the Sixers came alive. Yeah. Game four was a little scary. Um, it, uh, Mike Scott is not who I really want to have the ball in his hands with the game on the line, but he came through. The regional manager, man. The regional manager. The regional manager. Uh, so does that? So Embiid it. had the assist. So does that make Embiid the assistant to the, the regional manager? To the regional manager. He's not. He's not the assistant to the regional manager. He's the assistant to the regional. Manager. Someone needs to make an Embiid as Dwight meme. You know, there's times where he, like, no, he's not the most Dwight. No, but he assisted on the Yeah, yeah, no. Pass. I uh, I would be fascinated to see what somebody would think that the Sixers as the office cast would look like. Well, do you remember Do you remember the basketball episode where they had in season one? Yeah, that actually was, like, I think I saw it was, like, it was 14 like years 14 ago. 14 or 15 years ago. Like, like, like the, last week? Yeah, the other day. Um, they could totally get M- a picture of Embiid from last year when he had the, the mask for his orbital. Yes! Because Dwight wore that in the episode. Oh, yes. it's perfect now. Oh, oh great. My, that's someone, amazing. Someone's got to get on uh, it. I hope somebody who can afford to have Photoshop can I know. make that. <laughs> um, but I, I've been really impressed. I, I Honestly, I think that, that Brett Brown's coaching was probably, again, um, just like Simmons, Reddick, and Harris. Like it, I thought Brett Brown coached his worst game as a Sixer. There were a couple of just really long, sustained runs by the Nets yeah. where I was just like, how the fuck do you not call a timeout? You've been in this league how long and you've been the coach of a professional basketball team. I feel like a coach of like an AAU team yeah. would know when to call a timeout. Yeah. And like, but no, he just, like, he, just, he just lets everybody just run up and down this team. And they're clearly exhausted. Um, but I, I think he, his coaching rebounded really nicely. I think he's actually settled into some really nice rotations. Um, 
Yeah, man. I'm I'm excited. I, I, I think we're going to have an uphill battle in the next round. I think so, too. Um, but I would pick... If I had to pick one person in all of Philly sports to back me up in a fight... Oh. We didn't I even was, talk I, about this. I, yeah. I was, I was going to say I'd, I'd pick Jimmy Butler, but I think I would pick Gudis from the Flyers. <laughs> Just because he's a, he's a walking, talking... Left hook throwing machine. Yeah, but currently I would pick Jimmy Butler because he has everybody's back. I don't like. I know the 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 whole the whole uh, scrum got out of hand. It was a, so it was a ridiculous ejection. Yeah. First of all, it was a clean block by Embiid. Mm-hmm. You know, Dudley had no reason trying to go over there to provoke him. Yeah. But honestly, the fight between Butler and Dudley, I wouldn't have thrown either of them out. Like not just. Butler, like, I, I don't think either of them warranted an ejection. Yeah. Um, but, you know. I think Butler deserved... Dudley's a pretty average player. But Butler deserved a foul, but then everybody started piling on, so and yes. it just became a giant... It looked like a rugby match. Yeah. Give them both fouls, and then, but don't, like, don't eject. I think they kind of um, had to because of, of, how, of how chaotic it got. Yeah, I also... That, to me, though, like, Butler running in there to protect Embiid was just... If I needed any more evidence that, like, Jimmy Butler is not the cancer that everybody tries to make him out to be, uh, it was that. Because, yeah. you know, what I saw what I saw there was a guy, like, looking out for his teammates who's not selfish. Looking out for his big man. His big man who's the number one star on the team. He, and Embiid was something else in game, in game four. After, dude, after that happened, he p- put the team on his... Weak knee back, <laughs> you know he's playing on playing on one leg as it is. I'm not sure if his injury is still affecting him or, or not, but he carried the team in the in in the second half of that game. No, I mean he was he was outstanding. I think he put he played one of his better games as a Sixer. He, and you know I'm pretty sure thirty one points, sixteen rebounds, six blocks, and seven assists. I think he led in almost Elite. in almost every stat line. Yeah, that game. He was outstanding. I mean, Joel Embiid just like to me is um is my favorite Philadelphia athlete right yeah, now. Yeah, I think if he uh, he has the edge over Harper right now. He well, Harper got ejected yesterday, so that's <laughs> we'll not, talk about that in a second. But uh, Embiid, I just wish he was more. His body was more sustainable for the entire season because he would be the league MVP. One like hands down, I think he would be the league MVP if he could play in more games than he already does. So this is totally random, but we're recording this right now as the Sixers game's going on. Yeah, I just want you to know that uh, there is nine minutes and thirty seconds left in the first quarter, so they've played two and a half minutes. Okay, Embiid already has six points and five rebounds. I didn't even know he was playing tonight. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Let's go Sixers. They're up six nothing. Let's go Sixers. Um, and th- boy, is this going to be dated. <laughs> yeah. And if you're just curious, since we play the winner of the series, at halftime, the Raptors are, are up 67-47 over the Magic. As much as I wanted Orlando to pull this out, Orlando had pretty much no shot against Toronto. Nope. Um, and assuming that the Sixers win tonight or this week um, and take care of business, I'm really, I'm really curious to see what this Raptors series looks like. It's going to be interesting. I, I actually think that the Raptors would be more challenging or would be a tougher mismatch for us than the winner of Boston or Milwaukee. Yeah, so do I. 
Um, because I mean, we played Milwaukee well, but we've we haven't played the Celtics well in. We got them back years. at the end of the year. Once, okay, we our our series record for the for the entire season was three to one. I think I think the Sixers would come ready to play. I think that they now that they struggled, they got the monkey off their back and they won a game. Yeah. Um, and they played this team in the playoffs before. Yeah. I I actually think the Sixers. I would give them the upper hand over Boston. Milwaukee would be real interesting because Giannis is just, uh, in my opinion, the MVP of the year. Oh yeah. He's absolutely outstanding. It's him, it's him or Harden. Yeah, and and honestly, I I think though that uh, that Giannis was more valuable to his individual team. I 100%. think that Houston's roster is like built that if Harden had to go down, they would be okay. Yeah, but Milwaukee to me is just built like through Giannis, the yeah. Greek freak. Like it's just. I mean, if you look at if you look at the Rockets, uh, Harden didn't play against two of the Warriors games that they played them against. Yeah, I think they won. They won. They went two and zero against yeah. the Warriors won, without, without, without Harden. Yeah. So. So I, I I think that the Raptors the Raptors game would be really interesting, and I would. If we could beat the Raptors, I would feel really confident about our chances to go to the finals. So do I. Regardless of who we played in the conference, yeah, or whoever we played in the conference, yeah. Um, but yeah, hyped about the Sixers. Yeah, dude. You know, while you're gone, you know what there was. Flyers that? news. Flyers news. Oh my goodness! Flyers what news. Happened? Flyers news that is not going to make you want to sob in a dark corner. It always does. Um, Philadelphia Flyers have hired the twenty-first head coach in franchise history, Woo. Elaine Vigneault. Okay. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I think I am. I've heard it pronounced tons of different ways. This is just the one I'm going with. Yeah. Um. Do you have any just sort of immediate thoughts on him? No, tell me about him. So he is, he's been in the, he's been in the league for a while. Yeah. Um, he has coached Vancouver, okay, the Rangers, and Montreal. He's probably most famous for his stint with Vancouver. Uh, most famous, most successful during his stint in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, they won three Presidents Cups. Jeez. Um, he was he was coached during that that oh six oh seven year. Okay. He won the Jack Adams that year. Um. You know, and that was a team that had the Sedians and Longo, Longo mm-hmm. um, in their prime. Yeah. It was just so much fun to watch, but also was a team that could never really um, get over the hump. He mm-hmm. went to the cup finals with them, and that was the year that they lost. Um, and then he went to the Rangers, most most recently with New York with the New York Rangers, okay. and took them to the finals, and they lost. Um, but you know what? In 16 years as a coach, he's made the playoffs 11 times. Um, That's pretty good. That's great, and he's he has Cup Finals appearances. He's taken teams deep into the playoffs. I would say that Vancouver team should have won more than that Rangers team should have won. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm curious. I'm I think there's a lot of really good things about this, and, and most importantly, it's the fact that uh, you know we have a coach who's had some deep playoff runs, who knows how to manage a roster. Um, I do think though that. What worries me is that, well, yes, he knows how to manage a roster, and he's done all this. Um, he's definitely the kind of coach who's more likely to be on, lean on veterans. Yeah. Which is something that Hackstall was done in by. Um, this seems like very much the anti-idea of Hackstall. Okay. And I say anti-idea of Hackstall because the idea of, of Dave Hackstall was that he was going to be this innovative coach, very similar to what the Eagles thought they were getting in Chip Kelly. Um, he's going to lean on analytics. He's going to sports science the shit out of everything. Yeah. Um, he's going to have this team of young guys ready to play, and then in actuality, he leaned really hard on veterans um, and really wasn't that innovative at all. 
Yeah. Versus Vignal, it to me is sort of a what I think of when I think of like a traditional typical um, coach on the bench for for a hockey team. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly innovative about about this signing, but it is sort of that established presence. Um, and again, I keep saying it, but he's made deep playoff runs, which is yeah. something that we haven't had in a coach um, really since Laviolette. Yeah. So I, I think we have the pieces here for him to be successful. Um, we have a pretty young squad. We have a young squad. Again, Like I'm, I'm worried that he's going to just, you know, Play Andrew McDonald all game and just never take him off the ice. <laughs> but you know, you look at what what made those teams so successful in Vancouver and New York, right? They had the star goalie. I think we have a young goalie who's about to be a star. Yeah. You know they the, the that Vancouver team had the Sedians. You know Claude Giroux is, in my opinion, the most underrated player in hockey. Yeah. Um, just you know, game in game out, the guy's amazing. Yeah. Um, and and I think he's a good leader. You know. Voracek's a really good secondary scoring option. Couturier's really blossomed into his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, you know, Patrick develops. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Um. And Konecki. You know, there, there's... Like, this team isn't as devoid of talent as... People think. It gets pessimistic here for good reason because of just how terrible this roster has been managed. Um, you know, you just hope that, that Vignol gets it, but it's a signing. Like, I'm... I'm not over the moon about it, but I am finding a lot of reasons to be excited. But that's that's the one thing that, that you just said, the way it's been managed, not the roster itself. I think our roster is pretty good. There there could be improvements. There, there could be, be improvements. Another top, top six forward. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. But we have great prospects. Our our young guys are going to be good, and we have we got the goalie. We as got the, as we, like, got, we got the goalie as that's long as rising we stay out of their too. way, right? Like yeah, I mean we got the goalie. And now it's just time to build around them. Give give this guy a couple years and see if we make some playoff runs. Like gave him a five year deal, so like they they made a commitment to him. That he's gonna be around. Good. So I'll be I'll be curious to see how this shakes out. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see the kind of moves that this team makes in the offseason. We did get kind of like screwed in the lottery in terms of like we're picking eleventh, which yeah. isn't a great spot. No. Um. So. I don't know what help is really going to come by way of the draft. I really haven't looked into any any potential mocks or anything for hockey yeah. just yet, but it's, at some point I will. Um, but uh, there's one positive out of the hiatus that we've had so far since our last episode. What is that? The Penguins got swept by the Islanders. <laughs> that made me so goddamn happy. And we, you know what's crazy? Both number one se- uh, both number one seeds also got swept yeah. because the Lightning were swept. Lightning had a 62 games. And um, and then Calgary got swept. Yeah. So it's been it's been an, a weird year. Like I, I honestly don't remember the last time both number ones got like didn't just lose got swept. Yeah. And I, I know like a lot of people talk about the fact like you know traditionally like it's almost never are you seeing in, in the finals of any sport um, both number one seeds go up against each other. Yeah. But like you, n- they're never getting just bounced in the first round usually, and they're definitely not. Both getting bounced by getting swept. Yeah. Um, so that was wild to me. But hey, look, in in the gritty era, the Penguins have not won a they playoff game. They haven't won game. a playoff game. They have it's the amazing. same number of playoff wins as the Philadelphia Flyers since the birth of gritty. And that is something to be excited about. It is very exciting. Let's move on and let's talk some baseball. Which was going to be a lot more optimistic. Um, but this team has been frustrating recently. I mean, 
It has recently. Been, okay, so they're we're leading the division. We're leading the division right now. We're twelve and ten as of today, yeah. but they are four and six in their last twelve games. Yeah, you know they they started this year eight and four. Um, they've lost their last two. And honestly, away, they have not been a good team. They're four and six away. Yeah. Um, but but against teams that are that are better than five hundred, they're seven and three. Mm-hmm. So that's nice to see. Um, I, I have a question for you. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a right answer this early in the year. Are you concerned at all about Aaron Nola? Um. Yes. Why? <laughs> 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 right, I'm very concerned about Aaron Nola. He hasn't been playing well at. All He's giving up a lot of home runs. A lot. He doesn't look like he has a lot of command on the mound either, dude. So far this year, he's given up seven. He gave up 17 all of last year. I just, I, we signed him to this monster contract. It's not even monster. It's, we signed him to a really good contract. And he it was just, a team-friendly contract. I think we, we, should, we should admit it was a team-friendly contract. But he just isn't playing well. You know what? T- opponents are batting 300 against him. I already said he's given up seven home runs. Uh, he's only pitched 25 innings, and he's allowed 19 earned runs. Yep. Um, he's 2-0, which just goes to show you how meaningless like wins are for a starting pitcher um, because he's played like he should be 0-5. Yeah. Uh, or he's pitched as if he should be 0-5. Or I guess maybe 1-4. He, p- he pitched fine, that, I guess, in the first game of the year. But Arietta, meanwhile, has been great. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, well, great. I think he's throwing a lot of pitches, um, but it's to the tune of a two six five ERA in 34 innings. Um, he's also allowed some home runs. You know, he's four. Yeah. Uh, and he gave up 21 all last year. But I also think, think that's the trend across the league right now, is just uh, across the National League and the American League, is just you know, balls are flying off of bats. Yeah, which Hitters is... Hitters are just bigger, stronger, faster. Which is um, good for... Baseball's great. ratings. <laughs> great for offense, but, you know, if you're a pitcher, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. Um, all right, do you have any overall takeaways on this team? Um, I think Franco looked like he was going to be the best eight spot in the entire league. Got moved up. He did get moved up, but yeah, I think that's because of injuries. Um, Segura's on a 10-day... Injured list now. Injured list, um... Segura has been playing really well. You know who's been playing great that's really surprised me? Kingry. Yeah. Who I kind of almost... I didn't write him off, but I almost wrote him off. I almost wrote him off. Um, I was, like, real close. Like I was optimistic that he'd be able to come in, play some... Spell Hernandez, yeah. and show us something. I didn't think it would be this early. I didn't think it would be this good. Yeah. Or uh, he would be this good. Um, Harper's been on base every game he's been a Philly. Yep. Uh, complete with a five-hit game. Yep. A couple days ago, which has been nice, and that we still lost. paid off nicely. We still lost, but... Yeah. Five-hit five, five hit game, it's pretty cool. Um, First person to do it since... Uh, Hoskins is benefiting from it. You know, getting on base at a, at a, at a 398 clip, almost 400. Yeah, he's getting walked a lot. You know, six six home runs. I've been real happy with that. Strikeouts are a concern with me. Yeah. For me, um, Harper struck out 29 times. In, in 81 uh, at-bats. Yeah. And Hoskins has struck out 25 times in 81 at-bats. Yeah. Um, but they're also both just walking a shit ton. Yeah. Uh, and and for Harper, or, or for um, for Harper, I feel like it's been a lot of just really patient at-bats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who else has walked a lot on this team? 
Andrew McCutcheon. I was about which to say. Really happy. Like to me, finally having a leadoff hitter who knows patience. Yeah. Um, I think Herrera is a really good outfielder and a really good hitter for what he does. Yeah. Um, but he is a very over aggressive. Yeah, he swings. As a he hitter. swings at almost everything. Yeah. You know, so so having Andrew McCutcheon now walk eighteen times, which is tied with Harper for the lead on the team. Yeah. Um, from that leadoff spot is, is huge because you, look, you get guys on base, you give Harper the opportunity to drive you in, and if and if teams are going to walk Harper to to pitch to Hoskins, that's stupid. Yeah. Um. You know, the, the more at bats you give guys, like the more the higher your chances of getting runs. Yeah. Going. My my point so, exactly. My or my sentiment exactly. I agree with you. Um. I, how, how do you feel about uh, uh, Pavetta? I'm not sure. I don't think we've talked about him yet. No, I, so I feel like I feel like everybody has, has was really talking up Pavetta early in yeah. the in spring training, especially in terms of being like the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that seemed just based purely off of strikeout to walk ratio, and, and I guess some other analytics as well. So I shouldn't just say that. But to me, I honestly just never. I really wanted Pavetta to be really good. But to me, he always seemed like he'd be better as a back-end starter. I, I didn't see the, the, the one-two potential that I think a lot of people really talked up. Yeah. Um, I think his command's been awful, like, to boot on top of that yeah. lately. So... There's a reason why he got I, sent down to AAA. Yeah, and look, Myers got sent down in 08. Yeah. Right? Came back and ended up having a great year. Yeah. I, I will tell you, I think Pavetta would be a really good bullpen arm. So do I. Um, That's what they did with Eikhoff for he's a while. A, He's a great – he has two really good pitches. Yeah. Um, but that's it. And you know what? Like, unless you're coming out of the bullpen, you're Mariano Rivera, if you're only throwing one or two pitches, you're, you're really not going to be succeeding. Yeah. Especially if team, especially if you're, if you're being asked to go seven innings. Yeah. Throw which, 100 pitches a game. Which he never – what was the most that he went this year? Like four? To be honest, I'd have to look. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but you know who I was really, who I've been really impressed with? Velasquez and Arietta have been my two. Yes. Impressive watches. Velasquez and Arietta, but also honestly, Eflin. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Zach Eflin, been pretty solid. Yeah. Um, to the tune of a of a three sixty RA, which is, I think, sort of exceeding expectations. Yeah. Um. So I, I've been happy. Honestly, the only guy who, who's really been concerning to me has been Aaron Nola, and he's the guy who I was least concerned about. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's when we were talking at the beginning of the baseball season, we were least concerned with Aaron Nola. I don't think we even really... I think like to us, it was just like a foregone conclusion. I think <laughs> I even might have said that I thought Nola was going to contend for a Cy Young. And look, he still might, but it's been a, it's been a rough first five oh, yeah. starts of the year. Yep. Um, and look, you're only, you're only going to start about 30 games... Assuming you're fully healthy. <clears throat> so a sixth of his games already have been just a complete dud. So yeah. I'm hoping he gets it on track. He absolutely can be at the potential, too. So we'll yeah. see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right. Do you have anything else that you want to add? Uh, no. That's that's it with me. I th- surprising statistic for, uh, for our listeners. I've been to the same amount of baseball games this year that I did all of last season. And really? we're only a month into the season. Oh, I don't think we talked about it. I have uh, Phillies tickets again this year. Yeah, I got we got them. My my family got them this year. So really, really, they're my parents. But yeah, um, I will finagle my way into, into a couple of game. games. <laughs> into every game. Every it's game. not a full. It's not a full plan. Oh, okay. Um, but but we'll be there on the weekends, and I'm I'm really excited because I miss going to games. Summer's gonna be so much fun. 
I really miss going to games. It, it is. It's gonna. It's gonna be great to be out there. Time. Citizens Bank Park is one, just one of the best places to watch a game. Um, I've been to quite a few ballparks, mm-hmm. and Citizens Bank Park is by far my favorite. Yeah, I've never had a bad view anywhere in the entire stadium. No, even in the nosebleeds. Yeah. Which I, I'm, I'm, old enough to have been like coherent and conscious during the tail end of the vet, mm-hmm. and we also used to have tickets back at the vet. Yeah. Um. And like there were some pretty awful seats. Yeah. At the vet, uh, just as a side from just being like a concrete, just dome. Yeah. Like not a dome, but like a, just a donut. Yeah. <laughs> it just was awful to get around and be in. Yeah. Um, I have some pretty good memories of, of watching like Tommy there, mm-hmm. and uh, honestly, more so than watching those Phillies teams because that was very late '90s, early 2000s when we were going to those games. Um, I was really grateful for like the opportunity to see some of the opponents, like mm-hmm. Ken Griffey Jr. in his prime, yeah. Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, um, Roger Clemens. I, I got to, I really genuinely like, am so thankful I got to see some of just the best players of all time. Yeah. Um, steroid era or not steroid era, right? Like, <laughs> to me, and Ken Griffey Jr. to me is just one, one of my absolute favorite athletes ever. Yeah. I, I, I loved him growing up. I, I really love what getting a chance to watch play. I, uh, <laughs> I, um... My family um, had season tickets at, at the vet, mm. um, and then I was born, so I kind of ruined that. Another another thing that Drew <laughs> just Harper another ruined. thing Drew has ruined, guys. You know, but um, so I don't really have. I don't think I like. I was never in the vet in my cognizant memory. I, I remember it. I definitely do. And, and I remember um, it not being great. No, yeah. <laughs> like, it was it was a baseball game. It was fun. Yeah. Um, and I have, I have a lot of really nice memories of watching games there. Yeah. But the views weren't great. The crowds, when they were there, especially that that was a bad era of Phillies baseball, um, <laughs> were not fun yeah. as much. Like, they were just very... I think I think the Phillies fans are, are passionate, but I think that they were apathetic for a while, especially yeah. during that era where just the teams weren't good. Yeah. Um, like they would still come out to the games, half full stadium, but you know. Yeah. Every, everyone's mind was on something else, or just waiting for the Eagle season to start. Especially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty um, much. I also remember like it being like two thousand, like two thousand one, and like people were still smoking in the vet. Oh yeah. Like I remember my dad one time walking around and we went to to do like the like the track your speed pitch or whatever uh-huh. it was. Um and like he was just smoking like a Marlboro. Uh and like that was right around the time where like restaurants were switching from like all smoking to like you could sit in half of the restaurant that yeah. wasn't smoking, which to me did like nothing cuz you could still smell still it. circulates. Yeah, it still but circulates. That's fine. Um science. Just a funny Funny error. I don't know what I was trying to accomplish with that memory. Neither, I, dude. I don't know how we started talking about the vet, but it's gonna be. We're gonna have a great summer. It's gonna um, be a lot of fun this year. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So this is it from us for probably about a month. I know. This is. It's. It's gonna be very, very scary time. I know. When when I am back, we have a lot to talk about. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna. And we're gonna get on a schedule. The the draft will be over. Summer will be starting. If end of May, teams will be. With mini camps, probably. Yeah, probably. Probably. A couple more trades will be happening for the NFL. Yeah. You know, we're going to be heading into, like, the prime uh, months of baseball. End of oh, May. Yeah. Like, like, end of May 
through August to me are just some of the most fun at the, at the baseball stadium. Yeah. Uh, and and by then we'll know more about the Sixers. Yeah, hopefully they'll still be playing, you know? Free agency will be open, or will be closer to being open in uh, in hockey. Yeah, that'll be something to talk about, too. But, you know, you'll be a married man. I'll hopefully have all passing grades in my finals, and everybody will be happy. And I can see how those two things are the same. Well, because one's going to be bringing you joy for the rest of your life, and the other one's bringing me student loan debt. This is true. So, you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> All right. Until next time, I am Mitch. And I'm Drew. All right. Thanks for listening to Fourth and Floundering. We will catch you next time. Bye-bye.